You're listening to Blaze, the go-to podcast for trailblazing entrepreneurs and anyone passionate about doing business differently. My name is Megan, and together with my guests, I'm pulling back the curtain to bring you the conversations that normally happen behind closed doors. We're sharing practical tips, no BS advice, and inspiring stories to remind you that no matter where you are on your business journey, you're not in this alone. Welcome to our community. Welcome to the Blaze Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the show. Today I am joined by Greer Francis and I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation because we've talked a lot about burnout on this show and today we're talking about what comes after that. When you're coming out of a season of overwhelm or stress or burnout and you know something needs to change but you're not sure what. And this conversation really takes me back to around this time last year when my coach and my mastermind group I was in at the time, she asked us to journal on the question, how do you want to feel this time next year? And I remember thinking, well, not like this. (laughs) I was in the middle of a rebrand at the time and I didn't know what I wanted to do next in my life or my business. And I know from experience, there's nothing worse than that phase where you're feeling stuck and you want clarity, but you don't know what steps to take next. So that's what we're talking about today with Greer. Greer is a creative director, branding expert, and trauma-informed worthiness coach with over 10 years of experience as an entrepreneur. In that time, she started not one or two, but five different businesses and reinvented herself multiple times along the way. And she's currently in the middle of a new brand transformation, which by the time this episode airs is newly live. So you can go and check out her brand new brand and website. But that's what we're going to talk about, how to get clarity and how you can use burnout to your advantage to come back better than ever. So let's get into it. Greer, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you here. We have so much good stuff to talk about. I want to start with the basics though. Can you explain to listeners what exactly is a worthiness coach and how did you come up with that term? Because I haven't seen anyone else using it. Okay. That's good to know because I've been wondering if like, like there's got to be other worthiness coaches out there. So that's a bit of a of a long story, so I'll try to make it short. But in my entrepreneurial journey, which has been 10 years now, I have come up against a lot of self-worth wounds. And I've also seen that very common in a lot of my clients that I work with, that usually what's holding us back from building the brands and the businesses that we really desire to it's usually linked to something that we don't feel worthy of. It's a self-worth thing or it's it's a wounding of some sort. Not all of it is linked to our self-worth, but for me, that is like my biggest wound. And what I see a lot of other entrepreneurs having as well. Again, that's not for everybody, but so the idea came about because I wanted to get more into coaching after doing brand design for, again, like 10 years, and I'm still doing brand design, but I wanted to step more into the coaching sphere. And I wanted to kind of get more specific on what I wanted to support people with. And my common themes were, you know, having people-pleasing tendencies, workaholic tendencies, boundary issues, valuing myself, (laughs) issues, all of these sorts of things. So for me, I was just really passionate about working with people 
and allowing them to embrace and see their full self-worth so they can actually build the business and the life that they want to. So that's kind of the journey of how that came about. Yeah, yeah. I'm just sitting here nodding my head along to all of those things, all the boundary issues, the people pleasing. I think a lot of us can relate to that. So mm-hmm. you've always had quite a ride in your business to get to where you are now. I know brand design wasn't even your first business. So do you want to give listeners like a high level overview of your story, how you ended up in brand design, and then finally switched into coaching? Yeah, for sure. So I've been in the entrepreneurial space for longer than a decade. Like it goes back. I don't even, I don't even know. I've had, (laughs) I've had several business takes. So let's put it that way. But the first few were when I was quite young and they weren't really, I wasn't taking them seriously. So that was kind of, I, I dipped my toes basically. And out of high school, I had taken a photography course and I was like, okay, this could be something, you know, I've always been artistic and I wanted something that I could do that was creative. And so I started off in photography and I did a lot of that. And I did wedding photography as well with my ex. He was a photographer as well. So we did wedding photography together, which was like a whole other thing. And then um, then I started a company, got kind of scooped up by a a marketing agency right after that. So I had started a graphic design company, got scooped up by a creative agency right after that. They asked me to be a creative director. I said, sure, even though I had really no idea what I was doing, but I was like, I'll figure this out. This sounds amazing and terrifying. So did that for a few years, decided that I wanted to go own. And then that's when I started graphic design. I didn't really know what I wanted to do in graphic design. I just knew I really liked it. And branding was something that just came forefront for me that was super exciting because you get to really know the individual behind the brand. And again, I think it's one of those things I've always naturally been coaching, but I could never claim that for myself when I was younger. I always felt like super like an imposter and um, and, you know, just not really seeing those gifts or valuing those gifts. So I've naturally been doing coaching all along the way. And then in the realm of graphic design, I've done so many different things as well. Like I've, I've worked on going with retainer clients. I've done business consulting. I've done branding workshops. I've had, I had a partner in another business where we taught people how to take their gifts and start online co- courses. And then, And then, so that was kind of all under one umbrella. I decided to rebrand about three years ago and specialize, like really start to hone in and be like, okay, I do like brand design in a very particular way. And then through the process of that and starting to do online courses and just experimenting with things, I realized I was ready to step into the coaching role. And like I said, I'm still doing design work and that is in its own morph. Everything's in its own kind of changing right now again, of course. So I'm going to be releasing that in the coming months of like what that's the new variation of it is going to look like, but that's kind of the long-winded journey. 
Yeah, yeah. I love listening to entrepreneurs' stories, especially people like you have been in business for, like you said, a decade, and you can just see all the different shifts and pivots you've gone through. I think it's actually encouraging for newer entrepreneurs who think like sometimes when they start a business, they're like, whatever you know, niche and offers I start out with, like you're locked into those forever. That's absolutely not the case, as you've shown. You can successfully pivot in so many different ways. So I want to go back to you working at the creative agency. What made you decide to like go out and go you know, freelance and start your own thing again? Or were you always doing that on the side as well? No, I definitely was not doing that on the side. I was a a workaholic again in that position over delivering, had some imposter syndrome there as well. So was just kind of always trying to prove my worth in the process of working there. I had an amazing boss. We're still great friends. But over time working there, I just started to look at the clients that we worked with and it didn't align with my values. There's nothing wrong with any of it. But for me personally, I was just like, this doesn't light me up. These clients Mm -hmm. don't get me super excited. Like, I don't want to be creating this ad for this client again this week, you know? So it was really hard. I... It took me a lot to build up the courage to say this isn't a good fit for me anymore because I had I'd actually been considering going like even further in that company and and like really investing myself there, which I think was some sometimes that's a process we need to yeah. take to be like, okay, how bad do I really want this? And then I realized it wasn't a good it wasn't a fit for me anymore. So having to tell my boss and friend at that point, I remember just like crying uncontrollably. And I gave three months, I can't remember if it was two or three months notice. You gave them lots of time. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah over notice almost. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was like, I feel so bad about this. Yeah. And so I'm just going to give so much notice. In the end, it was a really good thing for both of us. And it was, you know, it's one of those things in hindsight it needed to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Can I ask what kind of work were you doing at the agency? Like what sort of clients were you working with? So they worked with like a lot of automotive clients. Okay. A lot of a lot of larger scale clients that I didn't get to have a ton of interaction with the clients themselves. Yeah. They had account managers and which was great and I mean they're they're still running, they're super successful. They're always evolving, but for me personally, I was just like I want to get like in there with the people and yeah you know, just, I couldn't see that being super fulfilling for me long-term. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's definitely a big shift from what you're doing now in your, in your design business once you left one on your own. So what were those early days like? Like what was that kind of transition period? Obviously you had the experience of the photography business before that. So you weren't, you know, totally new to entrepreneurship, but what was that like making that transition from full-time employment into once again, going out on your own? Well, it was a shit show. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I love that. Can I just take a moment and pause for a second and say how much I appreciate your honesty? I, that is the best answer I think I've ever gotten to that question. <laughs> like it was, I was so lucky in those early days because I had clients right away. So I came out of working at the agency. Mind you too, that was the nice thing about giving two months notice too, is I had time to kind of be like, okay, or like, you know, be able to chop on some plants, some seeds and be like, well, I'm going to start out on my own. 
Yeah, build yourself a runway. Yeah, exactly. So I had clients right off the hop. I had some friends who introduced me to people. That was super lucky. I had saved up some money, did not save up enough money though. That is one thing I would really advise people to do is like save up a nest egg, but more importantly than that, adjust your lifestyle. Hey friends, I hope you're having as much fun listening to this episode as I did recording it. I'm pressing pause real quick because as of this recording, it's late fall and I am now booking my last few copy projects of 2023, which is crazy. I don't even know where the year has gone, but if you want to kick off next year with a bang, if you want to hone in on your messaging, give your website a makeover, or finally get that new funnel up and running before the new year starts, now is the time, my friends. So I have got space on my calendar for just two more Copy Party VIP weeks. The Copy Party is exactly what it sounds like. It's where we put the fun back in funnels and you get to sit back and relax while I serve up a research-backed, sales page or email sequence copy in just five days flat. So the link is in the show notes for more details, or you can inquire directly on my website if you already know this is something that you need, or if you just want to have a chat and see what your options are, talk about another type of project, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram at copybymeg. All right, now back to our conversation. Oh, that's good. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I did not adjust my lifestyle or my spending habits after going from a role that I've had for three years that I had a salary wage. It was very consistent. The most money I was ever making in my life up at, up until that point. So living like fairly well, you know, and I had a lot of expendable income that I was able to go and, you know, buy myself clothes or go out for dinner, do, do little things like that. And when I switched to entrepreneurship, I had a nest egg saved up, but I did not make the switch of, oh, right, I'm not going to have this steady income coming in anymore. So I actually have to adjust my spending habits. And I burned through that nest egg super fast and then was left being like, oh, shit, my business doesn't have like I don't I don't have this nest egg to kind of rely on anymore. Now the pressure is all on my business to make money. Yeah, and that is it's stressful and scary. I I kind of did the same thing. I jumped a little naively into full time. <laughs> also, I was just gung ho. Like, here's my notice. I'm going like full force with no real no real plan. Like you, I also had like a couple clients, but I did not, you know, think it through nearly enough. And in some ways, that's it's good to just you know go for it, and you don't want to spend too long in research and planning and putting it yes. off. But like you said, you also need to be practical because not only is it you know just saving money, but it's also your peace of mind that comes from having that NAS tag like you talked about. Exactly. And then just like bringing it back to worthiness and that piece of it, I think lots of times this is for everybody, but worthiness and scarcity can go hand in hand a lot of the times. So just like you said, having that security doesn't cause you to dip into these like worthiness wounds or like scarcity mindsets within all of a sudden you're just taking on any job that you can or you're overgiving more than you normally would because you want to give the value you want your clients to be happy you want them to stick around you violate boundaries because you just want them to be again just like happy 
And you start going into like weird places, which is what I started doing in those earlier days. I had absolutely no boundaries whatsoever in my business. I was constantly overgiving, didn't really have communication skills. If something went wrong or a client was upset, it would like ruin my week. I would be basically out of commission for an entire week because I would just be so distraught by it. It, so that's why it was a shit show personally. And then on the work front, like we had so much work. It was great. I was able to hire somebody to come on and help right away with admin, but we didn't have systems and procedures in places. We didn't have all of these things. Those needed to be built out. And that wasn't even something I was really thinking about when I started the business. And so that and the lack of boundaries and the people pleasing just created this storm where about two years in, I had just completely burned myself up. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, it's so common, especially the systems and processes side. It's something a lot of us, like creative types, I think never consider until you're actually in it. It's something you don't realize you need until you're like, oh shit, I don't have this in place. And, mm -hmm. you know, for a lot of us starting a business, going full time and being booked out, being so busy and being able to hire help, it sounds like a dream, but the... The trade-off is that, you know, as a new business owner, you don't have those systems in place, right? So sometimes the slow growth can be can be a calmer way to grow. But yeah, and the early success is it's great, but there is that that trade-off for sure. So yeah, you find yourself in this position of burnout. How do you, you know, kind of claw your way back out of that? Like what did you do? What were the changes you made? I'll get to that in a second. I just want to say one thing on the note of slower growth, what you just said, if there was something else that I could go back in time and do, it would be growing slower. I mean, right. Hindsight's 2020, like you, all of these things I needed to learn in the process, but I would have focused on slower and got a, a part-time job when I started so that there wasn't so much pressure on this, yeah. like something that wasn't going to be that I wasn't going to have to take home with me, but something so that all of the pressure wasn't on my business so that I wasn't just saying like, yes, yes, yes to everything. And then getting this like full roster of clients, amazing, but not actually being able to sort through any of it in the process and be like, am I enjoying this? How could I make this process better? Better, You know, I was just trying to get stuff off my plate as fast as possible. And that led to the burnout. Yeah, that is, yeah, it's such a good point. And thank you for saying that, first of all, about the, you know, the part-time job or staying in your job in like a part-time role. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that's not really talked about. There's almost this kind of like shame that you have to work another job yes. in addition to your business. And I hate that. I think you need to do what you need to do. There's nothing wrong with growing slow at a pace that works for you and isn't going to stress you out, burn you out, like we talked about. And even if you're like more established in business and like you're just going through a hard time, a hard season, you need to kind of step back into a part-time role. There's nothing wrong with that either. Oh my gosh. No, not at all. I think that stigma needs to go away because it just leads to burnout, right? For so many entrepreneurs just trying to keep up this facade. Like for consistently for the last three years, I have last three summers, I have looked at job postings. It's just something that's come up and I, I'm realizing that it's a pattern and it's a bit of like a slump in the summertime just because where I live, summer, we have like two glorious months of it. And then like the rest of our season is basically frigid winter. So everybody's offline for those two months. And a lot of my business is locally based. It's not all of it, but a lot of it is. 
And so things are just slower during those months. And I go into panic still, I still go into scarcity. And then I look at job postings thinking, should I just do this? This would be so much easier. And I'm 10 years in. Yeah, I think that's something that never fully goes away, right? Like I, I share with you, I remember when you shared that in one of your email newsletters about looking at job postings, and I was like, oh my God, I thought I was the only person that did that. And I'm not looking at them in like a serious way, like oh, I'm going to abandon my business. But like, I don't know if it's like a comfort thing, <laughs> knowing that, you know, we could always go that back to that. And this is an active choice for right. me not to pursue that path. Um, maybe it's just like the temptation of looking at something and I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have dental benefits again? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but yeah, you're definitely not alone in that. Yeah. I think it's a combination of all of those things. And, and two, I think like coming back to the, the, when I was working at the creative agency, it's kind of that sort of a thing, right? Like some, it almost reinvigorates my commitment because yeah. I what I do seriously look at them though. Like, I guess the last two summer, the previous two summers, I wasn't looking that serious. This summer, I was seriously looking. Like I was considering putting a resume and sending it in and just being like, I'm just going to go work somewhere. I'm, you know, like, I don't know what's going to become of my business. I'm just going to go work some, I was so close. And that was for a variety of different reasons of things that were happening. But that actually kickstarted so much of like, okay, hey, if you're going to quit this, you need to actually give it all you got before you call it quits and do what you want, do what like you really want to do. So it's this weird, it's a weird thing. <laughs> Yeah, I I love that, you know, mindset shift that, you know, what if this is it? You know, if this is the last time I'm going to give this like an honest go, then I'm going to put everything I have into it. And I think sometimes like, you know, maybe for some people leaving entrepreneurship, going back to full time, that is the right choice for some people. Like running a business, mm -hmm. being self-employed is not for everyone. I used to naively think that it was a better choice for every person. I thought everyone should have that freedom. <laughs> and I have learned that that is just absolutely not the case. And there's nothing wrong with, with being an employee or working for someone else. But I think we have to take agency of that. If you are the type of person who wants to remain self-employed and be an entrepreneur, then just thinking like, this is a choice that I made. Like I chose these problems. I chose the uncertainty and the, the roller coaster ride, the income fluctuations. Yes. Like I chose that. And at the end of the day, I would still rather have those problems than the problems of working for someone else but just being aware that that we chose this and you can always the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur is you can always change right you can change your business you're going through a huge shift in yes. your own business and I think you know that hard time is it sounds like what prompted you to make a lot of changes yeah yeah it is like without that period I was just talking with my coach this morning like yeah without that period that was probably one of the hardest moments in my business I've had harder, but like one of the hardest internally for me in like, as an individual, what was happening in my, in my brain of, and like soul of what I really wanted. That was like one of the biggest struggles I think I've had to date, but it's brought through this new level clarity that requires so much trust and it requires being okay at looking at things and being like, okay, am I just going to scrap this and throw this to the ground? Or am I going to reinvent myself in this process? Which I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't always give themselves permission to do that. Yeah, that's a really good point. The whole idea of reinvention. I think sometimes we get really stuck in 
our title or what we're already known for. We've built like a brand mm-hmm. around something in particular. It can be scary to change that or to come out and say like, actually, I'm not going to do this thing anymore. I'm going to go in a totally yes. different direction. So how has that been for you? Or do you have any advice for someone who's maybe like a little intimidated to make a big change in their business? I'll link this back to the boundary or to the burnout question that I never answered because these kind of go hand in hand because they're so similar when you're coming out of a phase of burnout. Let's just say I'll speak to that first because what you need to recognize when you're coming out of a phase of burnout is that you haven't had boundaries in place. You have been taking external expectations of you and overriding your internal expectations of yourself. And so It's this pressure that's kind of mounted of letting what everybody else wants override what you actually want. So it's about getting really like getting back and getting clear on what you really want. And that links to this part as well, right? Where it's like when we're looking at, well, what do we really want to do in our businesses? Like what is going to light us up if this doesn't feel like an exact match anymore? Because so many times I think we just do things like you just said, because this is what I'm known for. This is what people expect of me. This is, you know, this makes me money. So this is the safe option for me to stick doing this thing, even if that's not what you're a hundred percent passionate about, or if you're ready to evolve in kind of the next phase of your business. So it's really about looking what is your inner truth and what is going to internally guide you and start letting that voice take over more than the external expectations. And then I think from there, in both of these instances, it's learning how to communicate that in a variety of different ways, right? Like if you're coming out of a period of burnout, you need to communicate that to your support team right away, right? Like if you have people on your team, if you have people in your life, communicate like, hey, I'm burnt out. I'm going to need some extra support. We need to dial things back. Where can I offload things onto you? And then start putting boundaries in place so that the burnout doesn't happen again. And I hate to say it, it probably will. I've had like five different burnout, like cycles of burnout in my business. Yeah. Yeah. That was my next question is it's almost seems like an inevitable part of running a business as unfortunate as, or not even a business, but you know, just any type of career. My question was going to be, you know, how do we avoid that? Or can we, like, are there steps we can take to avoid falling back into those patterns? I think it's one of those things where you just get wiser every single time that it happens. So, you know, when I had my first period of burnout, it took me so long to recover, but I still didn't know how to have the clear communications. I didn't, boundaries made me super uncomfortable to try and like have with clients. And this is where bringing it back to systems and procedures, like people kind of scoff at systems and procedures, actually boundaries. Like those are putting up boundaries and they are the best thing ever if you are a people pleaser. Yeah, for sure. It's almost like it's taking that burden off you and sort of like not making it automatic, but systematizing it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and so there's a variety of different things that you can look at and go, okay, what can I start to shift here? And then I think every single time that you go through a period of burnout, you learn something new about, oh, I thought I had this under control, but I didn't, or I fell back into that pattern. Or, you know, I really addressed this issue last time, but this is a new issue that I wasn't even aware of that's coming up this time around. So for me personally, it's looked like 
every single time that I go through a period of burnout, a certain skill gets stronger or more systems are put into place. And it gets quicker every single time. Like I just went through a period of burnout um, just before the summer and hence why I was looking at jobs. But but I caught it really fast. I was like, okay, hey, I'm heading for burnout. I know what I need to do. I canceled some calls. I started ordering more food in. I put an autoresponder on for the rest of the month. I asked for certain extensions. I asked for support. I put all of these things in place and I thought I was going to catch it enough that like I was on it. And then a month or two later, it just all came crashing down. And when you get to that point, the only thing you can do is just like be super gentle with yourself. Like don't beat yourself up for where you are. Like just be gentle, allow yourself to rest, allow your body to build its reserves back up. Cause that's what's happened is you have burnt yourself out. Like you've depleted everything in your body. Yeah. It's one of those things where either you stop or your body will force you to stop and take a break. Exactly. And so it's just about being gentle and then starting like alleviate things where you can start taking little pieces of rest. And then when you have the capacity, come back and look and go, okay, what needs to be put in place here? Do I need to adjust my call schedule? Do I need to have an autoresponder on all the time? What are our systems and procedures looking like? And then come back and be like, what, you know, is this something with clients that's an issue? Because it could be like that external expectation is overriding. Or is it something where maybe something's actually out of alignment with you and the way that you are functioning in your business? Because if you're not actually operating in a way that, you know, is fulfills you at least 50% of the time, like you're not going to love your business all the time. You, that's, that's ridiculous. But if you're not enjoying yourself at least 50% of the time in your business and you're miserable, you're going to be depleted. Like you're heading for burnout. So something needs to shift for you internally in what you're doing. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I love the 50% kind of mile marker because it's true. You're not going to love your business all the time. And it's normal to go through periods of stress or even burnout. And like we talked about, a lot of anxiety and uncertainty that's just sort of a part of being an entrepreneur. It's mm-hmm. normal to have stress sometimes. But if you are stressed out or burnt out all the time, that's not normal. And there's something, yeah. there's something wrong, not with you, but with your business potentially. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people put that at like the 80-20 rule, which I think is an ideal state to be at. But if you kind of just look at bare minimum, if you're not enjoying yourself 50% of the time in your business, like pretty consistently, we'll have days, of course. But if you can look back on the last month and be like, huh, I was sitting at about a 30 to 40% most days, like something's off there. You need to rejig some stuff to at least get you to like, try to get yourself to like 50, 60%, you know, don't have to shoot for perfection, but like, let's try to get that to at least more than half the time. Yeah. So what are some of the, let's give people like specific, you know, changes they can implement. So you mentioned the call schedule. Uh, That's something I've done. I learned, I, (laughs) I just don't work well. My day's interrupted by calls all the time. It, you know, it runs through my energy much faster. I feel really scattered. So I never take calls before like 10 a.m. now and only on certain days of the week. And I had to set that because it was affecting me and my business and my productivity as well. So do you have any other like specific changes you made or systems you implemented that have made like the biggest difference for you? 
Yeah. So, I mean, some really base ones would be your call scheduler, looking at how do I want to take calls? How many days realistically a week do I want to open my calendar up for calls? What else do I have on the schedule? And then how many can I do in a week or a day realistically? For most people, that's usually about three max a day. And so if you're taking calls, like I only open up two days a week to do calls. So I can do six calls in a week, because I have other deliverables, like I'm sure you do for clients, like you have to be able to have work periods in that as well. So what I like to usually tell clients to do is like write down everything that you have to do in a week and then categorize it from there. So like, you know, maybe part of it is marketing or content creation. And then another part of it is working on client deliverables. There's going to be some admin and like backend work. Maybe there's going to be some team, like team support or, or putting some like team communication pieces together. Then there's going to be client calls. And I'm just doing this as like a service provider example, you know, if you run a, a different type of business, you're going to have different categories, but then start to look at that and go, okay, how can I put these, these types of things and tasks that I have to do on a weekly basis and put it into a schedule and something that is exciting. So I like to theme my days of the week. So, you know, Monday I do particular tasks, Tuesday, like I'll give an example, Monday I do client and team care. Tuesdays, I'm doing content creation and client design work. Wednesdays, I'm doing client design work and client calls. Thursdays, client design work and client calls. Friday is an internal day to do like legal, financial, um, admin, and then I can do some content creation if I want there as well. So I like to do that because then I can get into certain zones on certain days and that's a place that I really like to start with clients. If you've been burnt out, like let's get a schedule set up for you. So you're not just like flying by the seat of your pants all the time. Cause that's going to deplete yeah. you. If you're constantly just thinking about what do I have to do next? Yeah. I think a lot of us almost let our schedules be determined for us by default, like based on, you know, client expectations, external expectations, like you mm -hmm. said, like calls are a big one, um, or just being, you know, always on and always available to yes. people, whether they're paying clients or even like just your community or audience in general, like on social media and things. I think having those boundaries is key. Like the theme days, I know a lot of people that work that way and, and love, you know, cementing their time into different categories for me i do the internal work fridays as well fridays are sort of my ceo day like no client work on fridays ever that's like a hard rule i've made because otherwise i'll never make time for those like internal tasks right and it's easy for client work to just overflow and take up all of your oh time oh my gosh Yes. And I'm, I learned I can't stick to, I'm not someone who works well on the theme days, like throughout the week, but just having that hard boundary of like, nope, Friday is the cutoff. Like everything else needs to be done by Thursday and I'm not available on Fridays. Like even just that, you know, if the theme days feels like a big change yes. to make, you can kind of work your way, do one at a time. Yeah. I love that. That's such a point. And that is something that I wish I would have done earlier on was have a designated day that I work on my business doing those important things. And I think like that's, that is such a good point because I've gotten to this point after 10 years of being able to recognize like, no, I need this day for this, this day for this. But yeah, if you're just like overwhelmed with client work, just try a half day or try one full day a week where you can designate mm -hmm. some time on your business. Because the thing is, 
clients, the client work is always going to be there, right? Like you're always going to have the stuff to do and deliver for clients that could be endless. Nobody else is going to carve that time out for you to actually work on your business. And most of the time, I find that is what actually happens for a lot of people in the burnout process is it starts that way, is we are just constantly giving to everybody else and we're not actually working on our own ideas within our business. So some other small examples are I started doing this thing where I would set a timer for 20 minutes in the morning and just work on one of my ideas, whether that was make a note, make a post, write a newsletter, um, flush out some program details, whatever it was, because I wasn't paying any attention to my ideas. And so I just was like, I need to do something every single day to just put some effort into this. And so I would just do 20 minutes and that's doable for everybody. Like you can find 20 minutes somewhere to do that. Yeah. So that's a really good place to start too. If you, if you don't feel like all day, again, you could break it into 20 minute increments. Um, autoresponders are your best friend. I love autoresponders. Like, honestly, if you're feeling overwhelmed or burnt out, just put an autoresponder on until the rest of the month or like the next 30 days that just says you're going to get back to people what to expect in terms of you getting back to them, because that is just going to allow your nervous system to not feel like you have to constantly be responding to people in the, in your email, because they know they've received a communication from you and you can relax and come back to it in a couple of days when you have a little bit more space and time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love a good auto responder and I love the 20 minutes a day. That's something I told one of my consulting clients as well was struggling with kind of the client work overload. And I told her about my Fridays, like CEO days. And she was like, I just can't do it like a whole day. I just yeah. don't, I don't know how to get there and transition out of, you know, she had one huge retainer client that was kind of taking over her time. And I was like, okay, well then do an hour in the morning, you know, do half an hour mm-hmm. in the morning, whatever you can manage. And I think, you know, obviously everyone's schedule is different. You might have other morning obligations, but I think if you can put it first thing, there's something that, you know, is really like emotionally satisfying about literally putting it first on your schedule, putting yourself and your business first ahead of everything else that I think kind of sets the day off on the the right foot. Yeah. It's like a workout, right? That's why so many people like working out in the morning because it's like, okay, I get up, it's done. And I, you accomplished it. You know, you're like, yay, I put, I put me in my business first and now I can work on client work without being like, oh my gosh, I haven't like worked on any of my ideas yet. I'm always just working on client ideas. It's like, no, I did that. I put my business first. I'm excited about this little idea. Now I get to work on it again for 20 minutes tomorrow. Yeah, it's a nice little like mood and energy booster like as you go into the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really like that's helpful for people who are struggling with kind of client boundaries or like overwhelmed yes. with client work. What about the person who is just like feeling burned out in general? Like earlier you said sometimes it is us as the business owners or something like a larger issue in our business and like the way that we're operating as business owners right. sometimes you know i'm just thinking of the Taylor Swift song anti-hero and it's like what if i'm the problem what then like what are some <laughs> of your recommended um like changes or strategies like you mentioned in your own business um a lot of reflection it sounds like mm-hmm. um and gaining clarity like what did that look like was there a lot of like journaling you know talking with a coach like what helped you in that situation Oh my gosh, my poor coach. Um, <laughs> there was 
So, okay. A little bit of context. I always take myself on a yearly retreat. And so I took myself on a retreat in June of this year. Oh, where did you go? I just rented a little um, like Airstream that was just outside of the city on a farm. Really cute. They had a little deck area set up outside. That's so fun. Yeah. Like cute little Airbnbs to go to for a few nights. And I got a lot of really great ideas and clarification on how I wanted to shift things in my business. And then I've been going through this whole thing for a while now because me and my partner are going to start to try to have children. And I'm like, okay, I need to change something because this isn't going to work. I cannot keep working like I'm working if children are around. It's just not an option. I can't pull 60 hour weeks. I can't be working until 11 p.m. A lot of the evenings like this just isn't possible. So I've been really contemplating, do I build up an agency and a team so I can be freed up? And I kept flip-flopping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Is this what I do? Do I build it up? Yes. I'm going to put the job posting out next week and I never would. And it just felt like so much stress. And I would go back and forth to my coach all the time. Like, 20 minute voice messages multiple times a week of just rambles, feeling like I'm going in circles. I'd get clarity on something and then I would switch. Honestly, the best thing in that process was yes, one, having a coach that I could just talk it out with, even if it was just me explaining my process and what I was going through. Although that was really like, it was difficult to be in that spot too, but it was nice to be able to have somebody to talk it through with. I also talked a lot with it, like about with my partner. Um, He's a really great listener. So I talked to him about it, journaling a lot. And honestly, like just taking things slow, not trying to rush the answer is one of the biggest things that I would say, like get yourself into situations I, for me, it would be going to the beach or, you know, getting out in nature, making sure I'm going for walks, making sure I'm taking care of myself. Don't put yourself in a position where you're constantly just banging your head up against the wall, trying to figure it out because you are just going to think and think and think and think. And lots of the time, that's not how the answers are going to actually come through. So I think in that process, the biggest thing is just having patience being okay with that you're going to be frustrated in the process of it and that you're probably going to switch directions a hundred different times and that's okay. It's part of the process and don't stop until you get somewhere where you're like, hell yes, this is it. Like this is what I've been looking for. I also in the process would say like, but this is me personally. I'm just this type of person. Like I just went to like the depths of despair as well and was just like, would cry all the time. Like I said, I was looking up job postings and just being like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to deal with quitting my business. And like, I'm just going to be a failure and have to tell everybody and going through that identity crisis. So, I mean, for me, that was part of my process, but the biggest things were just like, patience and trusting the process and that you're going to get there eventually, even though it does not feel like it when you're in it. 
Yeah, trusting the process. It's so much easier said than done. I'm right there with you. I love a good, like, what my go-to is when I'm really going through it is I just lie on the floor for, like, hours and I'm like, <laughs> this is it. Like, it's it's all yeah. over. <laughs> like, why did I choose this? What am I doing? Like, there's no no answer in sight. And I'm, I'm not a very patient person, if you could tell. But I think there's something, you know, with being willing to sit in that discomfort mm-hmm. I think a lot of times business owners and like coaches have a way of talking about clarity in particular that it's like oh you reach clarity it's like this end destination and you right you define the vision and then like that's it like you're done um and that I don't know about you but that has not been my experience I mean it's something you need to revisit and kind of go through those periods every so often to reevaluate because that'll change like your vision and your clarity on what you want will change like you said you're entering this new season of like potentially becoming a mother and like your business is gonna look a lot different if kids are in the picture than it does now Mm -hmm. or than it did you know five ten years ago so it's gonna change and that's okay yeah and I think that's one of the biggest things is that we can grasp onto an idea so hard or we can grasp onto an identity so hard for ourselves and be like, oh, we just want the thing to freaking stick, right? We just want it to be like, can you just brain, universe, whatever, can you just let me be for a little bit? And it just, you just have to get comfortable with the fact that that's probably never going to happen. It's always going to be evolving. You're always going to be refining. You're going to have new ideas. Allow yourself to act on it. Allow yourself to refine things. Allow yourself to shift things and new clarity and get better ideas and try different things out. I, you know, I think that's one of the best things that you can allow yourself to do and just learn to be okay with that fact because for so long, I just wanted to be like, okay, this is it. This is what I do now. This is the way that we do it. And something I've really been allowing myself to do in the last three years is just play with making whatever idea I want come to life. And in that, there's been so many, let's start it. And then, oh, we're going to drop it. Oh, we're going to create it. Oh, now it's dead. And in that process, you get so unattached to the idea, the identity, the the time and the energy and being like, oh, is that just like all a waste? Yeah. None of it is a waste. You're going to learn something in every single process. And the the most detrimental thing that you can do, I think, is to hold on to stuff that isn't working or hold on to stuff because of an external expectation or because your ego is attached to it. Yeah, so good. So true. And I'm just listening to this and thinking like, it's ironic because I feel like we're all searching from day one in our businesses for that one thing. We're like, I'm going to find the perfect niche, the perfect offer, the perfect messaging. Or for me, it was like my title. I agonize Mm. like my first year of business (laughs) agonize over am I a sales copywriter or a conversion copywriter is that too limiting or should I limit more should I just be a sales page copywriter am I for coaches or female coaches or female business coaches or is that too niche it was like all over the place and all I wanted was someone to just like sit me down and tell me like this is what you are Mm. this is what your business is this is what you're gonna do and that's it but ironically I think if we did reach that if the universe just you know gave us that perfect answer we would be bored of it (laughs) I don't know about you but I'd be bored in six months and I'd want to do something else so I think we're looking for something that in the end we don't even really want (laughs) in the long run no exactly like that definitiveness would actually be so boring and 
I feel like as entrepreneurs, so many of us, it's, we have ideas, right? Like we have ideas that we want to bring to life, that we want to see come to fruition and hanging on to things too tightly or trying to get them too perfect before we let that happen is really just holding it back from what it's supposed to be or what it's supposed to teach us. So yeah, like that's the thing too. When you first start out, I think you're looking so much for those answers so that you're like, hey, well, now I have some comfort to be able to land in, to be able to define myself so that marketing myself is easier, which is fine. I think in the beginning, it's not bad to have those definitive things, but just allow that to ebb and flow because that's something that takes practice, right? Too getting used to being unattached to things. That is something that that's like a muscle that you that you use because it's not easy to do right off the get-go. Yeah, for sure. The way I've started thinking about it is all of business is just like an experiment. Like you're just trying things, you're seeing what works, what doesn't, and what feels aligned and, and good to you. Like marketing strategies, niches, all of it can change. You can try out a new offer, see how it goes. If it totally like flops or you hate it, then that's fine. You move on to the next thing. And like you said, none of it is wasted. It's all just, it's all just learning. You're just gathering data and experience along the way. So that's how I like to think of it. It's just one very long experiment. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) I would love to know, Guru. I know you've been working on so much stuff behind the scenes, so I'm not sure how much you can share with us, but maybe you could tell us what are you most excited about in this next era of your business? The thing that I'm most excited about is through this process, I've really started to see myself how I think a lot of other people view me. And that is as a branding expert, as somebody who has 10 years experience in the industry that has seen the back end of hundreds of different businesses, worked with so many different entrepreneurs, built so many different brands and businesses, and has been providing coaching and strategy along the way. And I think for the longest time, I was just viewing myself as just like, oh, I'm just Greer. I'm just this little designer who just sits behind my computer and just does things for other people. And this entire process, it's just like, no, I know what I'm talking about. I have been doing this for so many years and have tried so many things myself, have come at it from so many different angles and supported so many people. And I'm just really starting to step into the fact that like, no, I, my next evolution is being a creative director and for brands and, you know, having some fun services that come along with that, that's outside of the realm of design, but still so influenced by it. Branding has always been the thing that I'm most passionate about. So I'm going to be putting um, some brand strategy Some brand strategist and brand consulting services, I'm still playing around with what that looks like, but really supporting entrepreneurs in, okay, what does not only the front end of your brand look like, but what does the back end of your brand look like? Because your brand is a whole experience and offering some consulting on that to help people make exceptional brand experiences. Because I think in the world that we live in at right now as entrepreneurs, the brand isn't just like a logo anymore. It is a whole experience. So helping people to put that in place along with, you know, being able to, to look at the things like 
where are the pieces in your life? Like, how do you want to actually live your life? Where are your boundaries falling short? What systems and procedures need to be put into place so that you can alleviate some of this stuff off of your plate and actually start to live and embody the lifestyle that you want instead of feeling like your business is just like overtaking you. So it's twofold of things. So anyhow, those are the things that I'm really excited about. I will say this because I think this will be launched by the time that uh, this episode airs, but I'm also doing a rebrand myself. So exciting. It is. And it feels like speaking of just scrapping things, I just did a rebrand three years ago, which was a big deal. So this is another rebrand. I was not expecting this, but it just became so clear in the process. And I was holding on to the brand like Align Creatives so hard. And I was just had a realization one day, I'm like, this needs to go. Like I need to be, so I'm going under my own personal name. That's a big change. It is. It is a big change. And it feels so good. The funny thing is when I first started my very first business, like 13 years ago, I went under my personal name and I haven't Mm. been back in that long. So it's like, it's coming full circle. Yeah. But once I made that decision and finally decided to like, okay, you need to let go of Align Creatives for now. I I do see how that's going to come back into play in the future and just like go under your own personal name. Everything just came into play. Like everything just clicked for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this is why everything hasn't been working because this big thing has been off. So yeah, I'm... I just like created my new brand yesterday and I'm so excited about it. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. It's incredible how like, you know, it's when we spend so long in that decision making, like frustrated, no progress is being made. And it's so, you know, nerve wracking and anxiety inducing to be stuck in that. But then as soon as that clarity does come, it's like, oh, it's all worth it. It was all good. Mm-hmm. This is the way it was meant to turn out. And this is exactly where I need to be. So if you're in that in-between stage, just know you will get there. You will have that moment of clarity too, no matter how long it takes. Yes. Yes, you will. And it will be so worth it once it comes. And But it's like such a good example of, you know, needing to things die in the process of it and needing to let go of things. Yeah. It can be so easy to hold on very tightly to certain things, especially things like a brand, right? Or a logo. And I have the luxury of, I can do that myself. I know that a lot of people invest a lot of time and money, but I think it's one of the biggest things is if your brand isn't aligned, it's going to be really hard to do anything else in your business. Yeah, exactly. It's getting those foundational pieces in place. Like I was just saying um, in another interview with Ruthann Rafiq, she's a brand strategist and we were talking about just how personal your brand is. Mm. It's something that's, you know, it's so personal to you and your your personality and your life. Even if you're not necessarily a personal brand and you're operating under like a company name, nothing is going to feel right mm-hmm. if that, you know, essential piece isn't isn't fully aligned. So Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the pieces that people have the hardest time letting go of. So yeah, yeah, like I did. I, I, and I'm still last week, I was like, am I sure I want to do this? And now I've got, now that I've got it like rolling, I'm like, okay, yes, this is the right choice. But you know, it's, it's scary. Yeah, it's scary, but it definitely, it feels good on the, the other side as well. Yes. Yeah, exactly. 
Awesome. Well, I think that's a perfect note to start wrapping up on. So we're going to head into our bonus round of questions. And the bonus round is all themed around our email list, which is called Savor and Celebrate. So Greer, what is something you've been savoring lately? Oh boy, that's a really good question. (laughs) When I think of savor, I think of food immediately. So I'm just going to go with like, I really love some good dark chocolate. Yes, me too. <laughs> love it. So yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go with savoring some dark chocolate. I feel like there's something so like indulgent and luxurious about dark chocolate. I don't know what it is, but I will dark chocolate or chocolate is one thing I will always spend money to buy like high quality of chocolate and whiskey I will always I will spend more to have a high high quality brand name I was just gonna say I like uh chocolate and wine together so I was gonna say oh nice yeah like I usually savor my wine as well and that's something I will spend my money on too Two types of people, yep. (laughs) I'm I'm not yet mature enough to enjoy wine. I think I'll get there one day. I'm still like a 12-year-old when it comes to drinking wine. I'm like, this tastes too much. (laughs) I mean, whiskey, so I don't think that you're, I don't, like, that's like elevated maturity. That's old man status. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Okay, so we're savoring dark chocolate. And then secondly, what is your favorite way to celebrate an accomplishment? Oh, boy. I really like to, again, this is like going to bring wine back into the picture here, but I like to go out for a nice meal and have a nice glass of wine. I really, that's something that I didn't used to do in my entrepreneurial journey was celebrate. And so it's become really important for me now. And so usually even I try to like take myself out for a meal once a day or, oh my gosh, not once a day, once a week. I was like, once a day, that is a, that's a commitment. You're celebrating every day. (laughs) Sorry. So like my CEO is Friday as well. So usually I'll be like, okay, I'll go end Friday with supper out and a nice glass of wine or something like that. So that's how I kind of like to cap off the, the weeks with the celebration. Oh, yeah, that's such a nice way to to round out the week and celebrate everything you got done that week. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then lastly, what's a win you've celebrated recently? I would say what I just explained, like the whole process of finally landing on some clarity. I don't think I've quite fully celebrated it yet, um, but definitely because I said I got the brand done yesterday and I it was so serendipitous because I got my new brand photos back yesterday and just seeing that came, come together, it was like, oh my gosh, this is becoming real. And I was like a small child with my boyfriend and was just like, let's see my photos and my new logo. And I just like couldn't wait to show them. So that was, that's what I've celebrated lately. Oh, I love that. You better take yourself out for a very nice dinner and glass of wine this Friday. Yes, yes I will. Yeah. All right. If you're listening to this podcast episode and you want to get in on the celebration, you can sign up for the Savor and Celebrate newsletter at the link in show notes. And it's the best way to stay in the loop on the podcast as well as a weekly reminder to savor the small things along the journey and celebrate your wins along the way. So Greer, I know you have a special resource you want to share with podcast listeners. You want to tell us about that? Yes, I'll actually just share both of them. So, because we kind of touched on on two different things. So the one thing is a worthiness bundle. It's it's based around the idea of worthiness and work. So if you're a business owner and you feel like you're maybe struggling with a little bit of worthiness, you know, just stuff coming up, 
there is a visualization meditation that's just about, you know, fully embracing your most worthy self and what that looks like. There is a journal, yeah, like a workbook, sorry, that has some prompts in it for you. And then also too, because I love music, there is a playlist that goes along with that, that has all like all around the theme of worthiness. It's a really good playlist if I do say so myself. And then the other resource that I'll share is I have a Reveal Your Brand Essence workbook. So if you're somebody that's kind of at the point with your business where you're like, I don't know if they're totally aligning in my business right now, this is a free workbook that will take you through some questions to ask yourself that are based on more so like feeling and sensory and, and evoking that out of your brand. Because sometimes it's not actually that the whole thing is off. Maybe we just need a new injection of life into it. So this might give you some direction on where some things could be off or what what's something new you could bring into your brand. Awesome. I love that. I love the idea of leaning into kind of the the intuition side of, and feeling side of your brand as opposed to just like, how do we feel about this logo or, or color palette? Like, right. It's, it's so much deeper than that. So we'll make sure to link to both of those in the show notes. Greer, thank you so much for joining me today. Tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, connect with you online. Okay. Well, my new handle will be at I am Greer Francis. My new website will be greerfrancis.com. And then I also have a podcast, which is called Work and Worthiness. So those are my three most kind of active channels that you can find me on. Awesome. Thank you so much, Greer. Thank you. This is so wonderful. Hey Trailblazer, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me a favor and help spread the word? Share it with a friend, tell your mastermind group, take a screenshot and post it on stories. I'm at copy by Meg on Instagram. If you want to tag me or just come say hi, I would love to hear from you. Until next time, remember fortune favors the bold, but success favors the stubborn. Keep going, girl. You got this.